welcome to the Clerk Commute Podcast. Where we discuss clerkship content, share up-to-date research, work through interesting cases, and gather position advice for your next rotation. Good morning, clerks. Welcome back to another episode of the Clerk Commute. Today, we will be doing part two of the psychiatry interview. If you haven't listened to part one yet, covering the mental status exam, check out our previous episode. This episode was edited by Dr. Lucy Chen, a psychiatrist at CAMH. In part one, we reviewed the mental status exam, which is a unique part of the psychiatric interview. As a warning for our listeners, there will be mention of suicide during our case today. In your rotation, you may come across patients who share thoughts that may be emotionally difficult to handle. Remember, you can always go to your supervisor to process some of the feelings that may surface and know that there are supports available to you prior to proceeding with more difficult assessments. You can visit the link in our description to see some of these resources that may be available to you. Now we're ready to go through our first case. You're a clerk on psychiatry who was consulted to see a patient, Sophie Green, in the emergency room, who's a 22-year-old woman presenting with suicidal ideation. What would you like to ask her? So first, I want to learn more about how she's feeling. I'd ask an open-ended question so she can tell me in her own words why she's here today. She says that she came in today because she can't take it anymore. I'll point out that you notice her affect is blunted and she's avoiding eye contact. Her speech is quiet, but regular rhythm and rate. She seems to be talking coherently and is goal-oriented. At this point, I would ask her to elaborate to get some more details like how I would do for any HPI for another medical presentation. I specifically want to know how long she's been feeling suicidal, how intense her feelings are, and what made her come to the emergency room today. She tells you she's been feeling down for a few months, but lately things have gotten worse after she failed her midterm a couple days ago. She says she's ready to end it all. At this point, I would do a more thorough risk assessment. I would ask about any history of previous suicidal ideations, intent, plan, or any previous attempts. If there have been previous attempts, I would want to know how many times, whether it was planned or impulsive, the context that provoked the attempt, and the modality. In terms of her feelings right now, I'd ask if she has a current plan or timeline, or if she's engaged in any preparatory behavior or rehearsed any suicidal acts as that would change our acute course of management. She tells you that she had an attempt last year and in the past month has begun to prepare and rehearse again. She's been rehearsing more frequently lately. Because of her previous attempt and current preparatory behaviors, I would now consider this a high risk of suicide and my clinical opinion is that she is not safe to go home without further psychiatric assessment. I agree, we still need to get some more information from her first. Now I would complete a psychiatric-focused review of systems. We know about suicidality, but I want to know about any intent of harming others. I would like to know if she is having any auditory, visual, or tactile hallucinations, or if she's having any delusions, such as feeling like people are out to get her, or delusions of grandiosity. I'd also ask about a history of other psychiatric conditions, including depression, mania, anxiety, obsessions, or compulsions. Finally, I'd complete a thorough substance use history. Okay, so she tells you that she's never been diagnosed with anything, but she thinks she has depression and anxiety. She also admits to binge drinking a couple of nights a week, and you find out that she has engaged in binge drinking during her past suicidal behaviors. 
This information is really important because I know that intoxication substantially increases suicide risk. I would also ask about other relevant components of her history, such as family history, social history, any past medical conditions, medications that she might be taking, including any psychiatric medications, and allergies. So you learn that her father and mother both have depression and alcohol use disorder. Her sister attempted suicide over 10 years ago. Sophie lives alone in Toronto in a condo, and she's a student studying downtown. She has a partner who's supportive and drove her to the emergency room today. She has no other medical conditions and no medications or allergies. Although it sounds like she has a strong support system in her partner, I'm still worried about her safety. Her thought content is concerning for suicidality. Her mood is depressed and her effect is blunted. She had a previous attempt last year, a family history of mental illness and suicide, and has also engaged in high-risk suicidal behavior while intoxicated. At this point, I would ask her if she would be interested in staying overnight at the hospital. Although she agrees that she is depressed and not doing well, she begins to get defensive and cries that she just wants to leave. She states that she only came today to appease her partner and she was hoping you would just send her home. That way, her partner could get off her case and leave her alone so that she can attempt suicide. What would you do now? Right now, I see that she has insight, meaning she's aware of her mental status, but she has poor judgment. I'm afraid to let her go home because of her strong intent. I'm not too sure what to do at this point. Do you think I would put her under a Form 1? Yes, I agree with you. Putting her under a Form 1 seems to be the next best step. She is not someone you would want to send home. Ideally, we want patients to stay willingly, but in some cases, we might need to certify them. It's a difficult thing to do for sure, because it may feel like you are going against their will, but it is what you sometimes need to do to keep them safe. A Form 1 allows a patient to be kept in a Schedule 1 facility for up to 72 hours and can be filled out by any physician in Ontario. When you fill out a Form 1, you also need to fill out a Form 42, which is notice to the patient that they have been placed on a Form 1 and it must be given to the patient. There are two requirements for a Form 1. The first is evidence of risk to self or others, and the second is evidence of a mental health disorder. Note the second criteria is just evidence of a disorder and a formal diagnosis is not actually needed. Although not related to our case, but for completeness for our listeners, you may occasionally see a Form 33 is done at the same time when you're in the emergency room or on the wards. A Form 33 declares a patient is incapable of consent to treatment of a mental health disorder. You would get a substitute decision maker if possible to provide consent to treatment. With Sophie, a Form 33 is likely not needed, and it is important we approach her again to assess consent for treatment and don't automatically assume her capacity. That makes sense. Thank you for going over that. Although we want to keep Sophie in the hospital, we also need to maintain her trust and dignity. Yes, trust is an important aspect of psychiatry. Patients are coming to see us on some of their most vulnerable days, and we must respect their dignity while ensuring their safety. For an overview, in today's case, we did a safety assessment and reviewed the MSE. We saw how the psychiatric interview is similar to other histories, including HPI, family history, and social history. The review of systems has a psychiatric lens and includes suicidal and homicidal intent, delusions, hallucinations, depression, mania, anxiety, obsessions and compulsions, and substance use. 
We know this was a challenging case to work through today, but we hope this can help you feel more comfortable approaching difficult situations like this when they arise. Now time for some questions. Question number one, what is the difference between thought process and thought content as a part of the mental status exam? Take a moment to pause or of your previous episode if you need to. Thought process is describing how the patient's ideas are expressed. For example, they are having a flight of ideas, goal-directed, or disorganized. Thought content is the stuff the patient is actually thinking about, such as suicidality, hallucinations, or obsessions. Question number two, what are some unique components of the psychiatric interview that are often not included in a standard medical interview? Unique components of a psychiatric interview include personal and family psychiatric history, screening for psychiatric disorders such as depression, mania, or anxiety, a risk assessment for suicidality, and a personal and developmental history. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Clerk Commute Podcast. Catch you on your next commute.